Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights. Featuring learning professionals, improving performance to drive business results. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Learning Insights Radio. And this one, of course, is brought to you by our good friends at Training Pros. Today on Learning Insights, we have Matthew Harrison with Jackson Healthcare. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, how are you doing? I am doing great. Uh, before we get too far into things, tell us a little bit about Jackson Healthcare. How are you serving folks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Jackson Healthcare is a combination of about 16 operating companies that focuses on the healthcare industry in three different areas. So search, staffing, and healthcare technology. Uh, we have about 1,500 uh, associates across the nation, um, have been around since the year 2000. Um, and are really obviously doing a lot of work now, particularly with the COVID-19 crisis and the placement of physicians and nurses to kind of help with that. But obviously we do that work um, throughout the year and with um, typical, just regular everyday necessary needs as it relates to healthcare. Now on today's episode, we're going to be talking a lot about diversity and inclusion. Can you share a little bit about how Jackson Healthcare attacks that? Sure, sure. So some things that we've done um kind of more recently, I would say I've been kind of under the cusp of, of two really kind of large-scale initiatives. Um, so when I joined Jackson Healthcare, which was February of 2018, um, I came in uh, as a vice president of human resources, um, was focusing really more kind of on our employee relations, some of our work around performance management and talent management. But I had worked previously with our chief um, of oper- our chief operating officer at a prior organization and had done some work around diversity and inclusion there. And so she came to me and asked me, you know, I think it would be really good for us to establish some of those employee groups that we had created at that prior organization. And so we established what we call at Jackson Healthcare, our associate network groups. Now other companies probably refer to them as employee resource groups or business resource groups or affinity groups. They are called a myriad of things, but ultimately they are groups that are linked to specific employee demographics that really highlight the value and importance of diversity and inclusion in the workplace. So we established um, two of these groups, a women's network and a people of color network in the fall of 2018. We wanted to kind of start small so that we can really focus on them and make sure that we introduce them into the organization appropriately. And I think we have been incredibly successful at doing them because I worked to establish these similarly the way I had in prior organizations, which is really being, having a really kind of comprehensive model and how they're set up. And so we set them up to where there are actually um, co-chapter lead positions for each of the networks. So usually two folks that are currently associates serve as chapter co-leads. Then we also have committee lead positions as well. So someone might be leading a committee on marketing and communications or membership or um, community involvement. And then we also have executive champions, so leaders across our organization at the vice president level or higher that serve as executive champions. And we really also use this as an opportunity to reinforce the inclusion piece of the groups. So for instance, with the People of Color Network, I'm one of the executive champions, but we also have one of our operating company presidents who's a white male that's also an executive champion. Because one of our key emphasis on our associate network groups is really emphasizing that you don't have to be a member of the demographic in order to be a member of the group. And so one of the things that we've done to really kind of illustrate these groups as being more than just kind of social outlet, because we want these groups to be a value add both for our associates as well as for the organization at large, 
is we really kind of did an overlay of our company values on top of all the programming and initiatives that the groups do. So for instance, any event or program that the group looks to you know, provide to our larger audience has to either tie back to associate development, which ties to our value of growth, um, has to either tie back to kind of just our general um, company growth in terms of revenue, um, which that we look at is really being tied back to kind of recruitment and retention efforts. So us having these groups, I think, kind of sets us apart from a number of organizations. And the more things that we're able to illustrate to potential candidates um, and to show to our current employee base in terms of things that these groups are doing, we really see as being a valuable recruitment and retention tool. Um, we also have a big focus around community impact at our organization through our Love Lifts um, initiative. And so a lot of our groups do different events throughout the year that are related back to community service. And then the last piece is around culture. And so that's obviously the groups doing things that are related back to the demographic that they serve. Um, in the summer of, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry, was there a question? Uh, no, I was just agreeing with you. Oh, thank you, thank you. And then uh, summer of last year, we launched three additional groups. So our Pride Network, our Young Professional Network, and then our Innovate Network. And so sometimes people are kind of like, well, how does kind of the Innovate Network fit into that? And so our focus on that one is really to highlight the diversity of thought. Because we do have an incredibly strong culture at Jackson Healthcare. And one of the things that can kind of come with organizations that have strong cultures is sometimes a misunderstanding or a misperception of that organization only wanting people who are just like the people who, who work there. And so we want to make it clear that while we certainly want folks who have the same values that our current associates have, that's not saying we want people who are exactly the same, who think the same, who approach work in the same way. And so that's one of the really kind of key focuses of our, our Innovate Network. And so, I mean, again, these groups launched, you know, fall 2018 and then the last three summer of 2019 have had immediate interest um, from our associates. And right now we have uh, membership rates of over 1,200 between all five of the groups. Now, granted, um, people can join more than one. So I would say probably have anywhere between six to 700 individual members who are part of these groups. And again, with our associate population base of 1,500, that's about 50% of our folks who are involved in these in some sort of way. And so again, those I think have been incredibly impactful. Um, another thing that I think that we did that was really meaningful with these groups is that we embedded our uh, mentoring program within these. And so you have to be a member of one of our associate network groups in order to be a part of our internal mentoring program. And I did this purposely because a lot of times with organizations, the folks who have access to mentorship and therefore that access to that senior level leadership oftentimes aren't necessarily people of color or aren't women or people that are in you know, these different demographics. And so I think doing it this way ensured that women, people of color, members of the LGBT plus communities, folks that are a little bit more younger in their careers are part of this mentoring program and again, have that access to our senior uh, leadership. So that's been one of the initiatives that we've launched that has been incredibly impactful. Um, another has been, um, we created what we call our conversations, a learning experience about race. That was something we launched October of 2019. And that is something that really kind of started due to the history our um, CEO and founder, Rick Jackson, had with a local pastor by the name of Reverend Lee Jenkins. He's the pastor of Eagles Nest Church that's in Alpharetta, Georgia. And so Rick had known Lee for a while and ended up reading um, an excerpt from um, something from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution where Reverend Jenkins had taken his church, which is a predominantly black church, 
and met with a predominantly white church, and they had really meaningful and deep conversations as it pertains to race and race relations in this country. And after reading that excerpt from the paper, you know, Rick asked Lee if he would come and have similar sessions with his men's group that Rick is a part of. And so Lee did that for Rick and his men's group for, I want to say, a period of like four to six weeks. And it was so impactful to Rick that Rick really wanted to bring something like that to Jackson Healthcare, which I think was tremendous, but obviously is a space that a lot of organizations aren't as inclined to do. Because I mean, quite frankly, the topic of race and race relations and really talking about it in a meaningful way is something I think that a lot of companies stray from. And obviously working in human resources, I totally get it. You know, if you don't create the correct space and parameters, it can certainly lend itself to get you in a place where maybe isn't necessarily the best. Um, but, you know, I think Rick felt that it was important enough and we had a culture in place where we could establish that safe space and create those ground rules on the front end to where he felt comfortable with us doing that. And so, again, October of last year, we started that. It's a six-part series. Each class is 90 minutes. And when we first started talking about doing it, you know, we were kind of running around with, you know, how many people should we invite to this? We wanted it to be a large enough number to where it would make an impact to our associate population, but not too large to where it wouldn't still have kind of that intimate setting where people would feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable and honest with their stories and experiences as it relates to, to race. So we landed on having 80 of our associates attend. And so some folks were wondering, you know, well, will we even be able to get 80 people to, to sign up for this? And we actually had 80 people sign up within a day and a half of us announcing it and and had a wait list of like 30 to 40 folks um, who wanted to sign up, you know, for a future offering within a week or two. So obviously it was something that our associate base was looking for and interested in participating in. And what was really amazing, I think, when we launched this um, is that, as I talked about earlier, our organization is comprised of 16 different operating companies. Of the folks who signed up for this, we had representation of eight of those companies in addition to our JH corporate associates. Um, we had all levels of representation in terms of work level um, that participated, so from individual contributors all the way up to different company presidents, as well as our um, Jackson Healthcare president, Shane Jackson, who attended all six sessions as well. And I think it was really meaningful and impactful to our associates because we really did highlight that the purpose of the program in the series was really all about understanding, not about changing people or changing people's minds. And I think that sometimes is the uh, mistake a lot of companies make when it comes to training around diversity and inclusion. I, I don't think they necessarily frame it in the most appropriate way or really in a way that's going to be realistic. I mean, I think we were realistic in that everyone walking into these sessions or walking into them with how many ever years old they are of life experiences that have shaped how they think about this particular topic. And so for us to think that in 90 minutes or even over a series of six sessions of 90 minutes that we're going to fully get folks to think completely different about something, again, that has been shaped their entire life, really isn't realistic. And again, really wasn't our aim or goal. More than anything, we just wanted people to be able to be honest about the experiences they had and even more so be open to hearing experiences from people who may look different from them. And that may be opening their perspective and horizons as it pertains to the topic of race and race relations. Because I really think that a lot of organizations, because they tend to be so fearful and kind of delving into this issue, 
are in many ways doing themselves and their employees a disservice because the workplace is the one place where we all come into contact with people who are different from us. You know, I think if most of us were honest, if we look at our family and our really kind of close unit of friends, those groups tend to be pretty homogenous and tend to be folks who look like ourselves. And so when it comes to issues around race and gender and, and sexual orientation and religious beliefs, probably most of the people in our close, you know, circle are or, you know, have views and perspectives that are very similar to our own. And so often our perspectives tend to not be challenged. And I think the workplace is the one place where those can be challenged if the correct parameters are set in place and, you know, we really create a safe environment for people to have those really meaningful conversations. And so I think because we did that, it ended up being, I think, really an impactful thing for our organization and really for our associates. I did a feedback survey at the end of the series, which wrapped um, January of this year. And I can't even tell you the number of comments that came back where people said verbatim that this has truly been life-changing. And I think it's because, again, never had they really had the opportunity to just sit down and really come from that place of wanting to listen and understand a perspective that was different from their own. So those now, are a few things we've done. Now, regarding the uh, the program on race, when you have something that's highly charged like that and you have people obviously hungry for information and really in their heart trying to be more empathetic and learn more and see things from other people's point of view, is it really, like, like you mentioned, that companies tend to be homogenous, but usually companies' clients aren't homogenous. Um, yeah. So how do you kind of track or if it's even possible to kind of track any type of impact that by going through a program like that is improving, you know, how the clients are like, is the behavior change? Is there more empathy from the employee standpoint when it comes to dealing with a more diverse, maybe client base? Oh, great question. So I would say I, we didn't necessarily set the training session up to directly have an impact in that way to where we felt the need to kind of do a pre or post test measurement. But even though we didn't do that, we feel that that would be something that would naturally or kind of just organically happen due to people's perspectives being um, open and them just being a little bit more aware. And so I do think because we do have a number of associates who maybe have grown up in kind of the, the northern Atlanta suburb, suburbs their entire life, and this was something even um, Pastor Jenkins talked about in his presentation is that for a lot of folks, particularly white people, you can pretty much go your entire life without having to have a meaningful conversation or not even conversation, but certainly relationship with someone outside of your race. And so I think more than anything, what we were trying to highlight or bring to our organization through this program was allowing folks who maybe who have had that experience where they haven't necessarily had the opportunity to hear from or speak to someone of color and get a better understanding of what life is like in America or even what work life is like being a person of color, just having that, again, kind of just maybe shift their, not necessarily shift their perspective, but at least open their perspective. And so, again, our intent wasn't to definitely make them then go back to work and approach work differently, but I personally can't see how someone can go through a session being in these table teams with mixed a mixed group of folks hearing these folks experiences and it not in some way somehow having an impact then on how they go back and then interact with people who are different from them in their day-to-day -day, uh, work activities 
Now, you mentioned that a lot of people said this was life-changing. Um, like, what does life-changing mean? Like, that seems like it's something in the eye of the beholder. Or, like, when they were saying life-changing, is it, like you just mentioned, is it the first time that they've maybe opened their heart or they really kind of saw things through somebody else's eyes? Yeah, I would really say it was probably the latter. And so even from a lot of just the comments people would make throughout the six-part series, so often people would just come to it saying, you know, I, I just didn't know. And I think that that reinforces something that I think is really critical and key with diversity and inclusion is that at the end of the day, people don't know what they don't know. And so I think a lot of times people when it comes to race and race relations, again, their limited exposure or experience to things outside of their own life experiences oftentimes limits their ability to fully understand the other side, particularly if they're just looking at it from like what they hear on the news or something like that. But being able to sit down over a course that we ended up spanning four months and hear from people that you work with who can talk about, you know, because I am black, this is how life has been, or because I'm Latino, or, you know, and, and really give concrete examples of how life has been different for them because of their race. I think that's the piece that was life-changing for a lot of the participants, because again, it was something that previously they hadn't really heard, at least not heard in that kind of one-on-one -on -one relationship type of perspective. Now, I think in those cases, what, um, like where change can happen is when a homogenous group and gets their eyes kind of open to what happened uh, to this other group that they weren't as familiar with. And then they start giving that group um, the benefit of the doubt. I think that in these group situations, when it's kind of your group, you give the your group the benefit of the doubt because you know that Bob was a good guy and he would never do something like that. But a person in another group, you're not as quick to give them the benefit of the doubt. You, you might see malice a little sooner. No, I 100% agree. And again, I think that's why we really kept reinforcing the, the understanding piece. And even on the front end, when we were kind of going over the ground rules for the, the sessions, I really emphasize with the group, you know, really try to look at it at folks' intentions and know that. This, again, is all about understanding, and people may say or ask questions that may seem offensive to you, but know that their intent is probably not to be offensive, but again, they don't know what they don't know. And I think if you come to those conversations with more of an open mind and an open heart and look at it as this person really trying to be here to learn so that they can broaden their perspective, Hopefully that'll allow you to potentially not be so immediately on the defensive should they say something that may typically offend you. And really, instead of using that as an opportunity to scold them, use it as an opportunity to kind of help them learn and grow. And so I think since we kind of approached it from that mindset, I think it really helped the participants, again, be a little bit more open to hearing and dealing with. Um, experiences and, and statements that, again, oftentimes might have usually been a little bit more argumentative. Now, what advice would you give a company that's trying to kind of dip their toe into um, these topics? Because uh, they are highly charged, and if it's not handled correctly, you could create uh, some division where you're you're not intending to. What are some baby steps? Some of them, it seems like, is start small with small groups to just try to, you know, get the lay of the land and then expand out from there. But any advice for somebody that's kind of trying to trying to do this 
Yeah, absolutely. So first thing I would say is you probably don't want to do this in your organization if you don't have anyone there who is really skilled and knowledgeable about the subject matter. Because to your point, I do think it's it's highly charged and one where unless there is someone there who is an expert on the topic and who can really navigate the issues that are just naturally going to come up, it could certainly end up doing more harm than good. And I think we were really purposeful at having someone externally come in and lead the session so that it didn't seem like this kind of HR or legal mandated thing that folks have to to go through. And I think even that allows people to come into the session with a, a different type of mindset. And so I would also encourage organizations where possible, potentially look at using someone external to the organization when it comes to having discussions of this nature, because I think it, again, kind of um, frames it in a way that's a little bit differently. Another thing that's really key is, again, establishing those ground rules on the, the front end. You know that respect is going to be key, but again, really encouraging people to look at intentionality of what it is that people are saying, um, know that people probably aren't really trying to come from a bad place, but again, don't necessarily know what they don't don't know. And I think doing that allows the environment to be one that's a little bit safer and therefore also allows people to be a little bit more vulnerable and honest uh, with their feelings. Now, is there something um, that you've learned that maybe it was, maybe you didn't intend it to happen, but it happened. You were like, wow, that was a really important thing that occurred that I didn't see as important maybe going in. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think some of our lessons learned from this session, based on at least some of the survey feedback that we got, was we had set up the groups to where there were um, like table teams that we called them, where folks sat with the same people throughout the six sessions. And so some feedback was that um, there would have been a preference for people to switch so that they could have heard from different people throughout the six times. Um, but on the flip side of that, there were a number of people who said they liked that they sat with the same people because they were then able to get more and more comfortable with them as the series, um, you know, went on. And so I think they ended up being even probably more willing to be more honest and vulnerable about their life experiences. So that was one we kind of struggled with because we actually have relaunched the series since for this year. Um, and we kind of struggled with should we maintain allowing people to stay in the same groups or so should we switch them up? But one thing I think that was really helpful was with this still being a topic that is as charged as it is, and even though we did as much as we could, I feel, on, on our end, to make it a safe space, some people talked about there should have still been an avenue for people to maybe ask questions anonymously. So ones that would have been a value add for everyone and maybe ones that people were thinking or more than one person was thinking, but still may not have necessarily felt comfortable asking. Because at the end of the day, these are still people that you – work with and see on a daily basis. So that is something that we took into account. So for this second series that we launched earlier this year, we've created um, a survey link that was, has been sent to all participants where at any time during the series, they can anon anonymously send in a question or a comment related to a most recent class or just related to race and race relations in general. And then that way, the participants get the value of that question or comment being addressed during the series but that person not necessarily feeling nervous or anxious about having that particular question or comment tied to them. Now, um, 
it seems that since you've done this, uh, I guess last year was at the, or a couple of years ago was when this began, you were kind of in a, you had already set a foundation when we're going through the civil unrest that's occurring in the present day. Mm-hmm. How has having done that foundational work um, helped you kind of navigate and uh, communicate? Yeah, I think that because we did it. So yeah, we started in October of last year and the first series wrapped January of this year. And then we began the second um, group of folks started going through it uh, early February of this year. And then obviously had a pause because of um, COVID and everything. So we had 80 folks who had gone through it fully and then another 80 who had started it. So about 160 people. And then just at our Alpharetta campus, I think we have about eight, 800 associates, I believe. So probably about a fourth of them have now either fully gone through it or partly gone through it. And so I do think it put our organization in a different place with a lot of things that have been going on in our country in the last three months. And I think hopefully more than anything, what it has allowed is for our associates to be able to come to work and talk about it in a way that is productive. Because I think probably for a lot of companies who haven't had these types of discussions, and I know for myself, thinking back at other places that I've worked, like when the thing happened with Trayvon Martin, we we just didn't talk about it. Like So because we hadn't necessarily created an environment where it seemed okay to have these discussions or where people felt like they were in a, a safe place, so it's almost like you go you're at home, you see this all on the news, but then you come to work and you try to act like that that's not something that you just saw on the news last night. And so I think hopefully because we have had these sessions, we have created that environment where our associates are a bit more culturally competent and again, a little bit more able to kind of have discussions with people to kind of see how are they feeling with how things are currently going on. Um, And I think more than anything, what it did illustrate with particularly our president sitting through all six sessions and our CEO actually kicked off the session and came in in the final session to again talk about why he thought this was so important um, to our organization. I think it really reinforced for our associates that certainly from a leadership perspective, our leaders get and see the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion in our workforce at Jackson Healthcare. And I mean, and it really is emulated as a part of our values. One of our values and our key one is others first. And I think with them having the sessions, it really helped our associates even better understand what our president and CEO really mean by others first, and that that is also um, inclusive of diversity and inclusion being something that's really important to our organization. Right. It's not just a plaque on the wall. This is exactly. it's a value you're living into every day. Well, uh, Matthew, so mu- thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work, and I can't even imagine the ripple effect this is having within the families of all your people and the communities that they serve. This really, this is where I think that business can really make a difference, and by doing this kind of stuff. So, thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. Now, if somebody wanted to learn more about Jackson Healthcare or maybe uh, talk to you about doing one of these programs, uh, what's the best way to find you and find Jackson? Absolutely. So uh, for Jackson Healthcare, they can visit our website, www.jacksonhealthcare.com, or they can look at us up on our um, page on LinkedIn, Jackson Healthcare. And similarly for myself, uh, you can find me on my LinkedIn page, Matthew S. Harrison, or I can be reached via email at mharrison at jacksonhealthcare.com. Well, thank you again for sharing your story, and we appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
All right, this is Lee Cantor for Learning Insights Radio. And remember, we couldn't be doing this work without our good friends at Training Pros. So be sure to check them out. Uh, We appreciate them and we appreciate you. See you all next time on Learning Insights Radio. Self-up. 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 Self-up.